0: What is going on everybody? It's your boy King here and I want to welcome you all back to the Planet Fell podcast and to also say that I am grateful and appreciate you for taking the time and tuning in to this episode of the show. Uh, You're actually in for a treat because today um, I'll be replaying uh, one of the interviews I've done for the BYOB Summit. Um, These episodes I will be tripping out uh, throughout the season Um, I really want to share most of these interviews I've done on the summit just because there's so much value and I know so many of you didn't get a chance to check out the summit. So I will be, um, you know releasing more of these interviews uh, over the course of the season mixed along with some other interviews, um, new interviews I'll be doing with some guest speakers I'm inviting onto the show. But as I'm getting a lot of those interviews together, um, the first few weeks is really going to be replays from the summit. Um, but don't worry, they're all great stuff. And today, uh, you we actually have a special guest, Rabbi Daniel Lapin. He was uh, so grateful, or gracious, I should say, to um, open for all three days of the summit and um, he has a huge background um, in business and I'm super excited for you to learn um, from the many years of wisdom he has. And so on today's episode, uh, you will be hearing from uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin on the importance of identity, really, really figuring out who you are, what you stand for, what your business is really going to accomplish for your life. And so much of it starts by getting clear on who you are and reframing and redefining what success and failure and even your relationship with money uh, means to you. So often that we take what society teaches us as common sense and never question it. So my hope is tune into uh, this episode and um, see what insights you get from uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. He's helped so many entrepreneurs and businesses get clear on their direction and I know that uh, he will... Uh, help you with your direction as well. So, I hope you enjoy this one. So how do you determine what success looks like to you? Do you base it on the results and outcomes or on what you've learned along the way? You see, society has conditioned us to tie success to an outcome. But the truth is, Failure is an essential part of success. The faster you fail, the faster you will succeed. So the real question is, how can we redefine our relationship with not just failure, but with success as well? Join us to find the answers that will allow you to live a life that's true to yourself and find the clarity you need to make that life a reality. I'm your host, King Lau, and you're listening to the Plan to Fail Podcast.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the first day of the Be Your Own Boss Summit, or BYOB for short. I'm your host, King Lau, and I have the pleasure for introducing a very special guest, the amazing Rabbi Daniel Lapin. Rabbi Lapin is the president of the American Alliance of Jews and Christians, author of seven best-selling books, co-host of the daily television show on the TCT network with his wife and has spoken at hundreds of synagogues and churches delivering practical wealth building and revenue-increasing seminars on crucial aspects of business and finance for companies in the U.S., Europe, Africa, and China. Often known as America's rabbi, Rabbi Lappin regards it as his sacred mission to make ancient Jewish wisdom accessible to people of every background, particularly in the area of business and finance. His book, Thou Shall Prosper, reveals the secrets of financial success that have brought Jews the disproportionate economic influence they have enjoyed, and his weekly email teaching reach hundreds of thousands of subscribers on top of his weekly podcast, which is hosted on Glenn Beck's the blaze. We have the honor of having Rabbi Lappin open for the first day of the summit and speak on today's theme of identity. Who you are, how do you choose to show up, and how well do you know the people around you? Get ready because today we're going in deep and we're not holding back. So without further ado, I present you Rabbi Daniel Lappin.
2: King, thank you very much indeed and uh i'm excited about this i'll tell you because one of the things and i mean i always try and find out something about the people i work with and uh and and king you're one of these guys who's who's terrific because um you're not invisible, you know you're you're very open, you are who you are you have just a very nice open personality, which unfortunately is quite different from mine because I sort of come from an English background, you know the stiff upper lip and the sort of thing so um and so it's a lot harder for me to sort of reveal the real rabbi lapin but but um what uh one of the things that that you talk about and uh It's so real, and and I'm going to jump off right on this thing. What you talk about it, correct me if I got this wrong, but what you talk about is that um, uh, the most reliable avenue to human happiness is growth and achievement. In other words, when you feel that by the end of the day you've made the last 12 hours really count, you have done something valuable. And I don't mean that you've helped 27 little old ladies cross the street with the traffic or, or that you've served in a soup kitchen and, and, and brought uh, you know, hot beans and chili to 13 street people. It's all very nice. Don't, yeah, fine, great. You know, God bless you if that's your thing. But, um, but in terms of growth and happiness that you have furthered, and you have advanced your own goals. This isn't selfish, as I'll, I'll soon, uh, as I'll soon show you. This isn't at all selfish. But if you've advanced your financial goals, then you have a deep sense of happiness. But wait, don't people say money can't bring you happiness? Like so many other popular sayings, it's not always true. You know the, the expression, um, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? and so uh, this guy's just uh, being deployed in the military and he's all upset and unhappy because he had to leave his girlfriend behind and uh and he's he's looking miserable and his friends say what's the problem he says well you know jennifer's back and we've been together for the last three years and now i'm not going to see her for six months and the friend says pat him on the back and says, hey don't you worry Because absence makes the heart grow fonder. And so when you guys get together again in six months time, it's going to be even better. And then I come along and pat him on the back and say, hey, don't forget there's another saying which says out of sight, out of mind. And so, um, you know, Jennifer's going to forget you pretty soon and she'll probably have three new boyfriends by the time you get back. Well, both those statements could be true. Absence makes a heart grow fonder and out of sight, out of mind. You can't know which one is true in any given situation. And so, you know, money doesn't bring you happiness. It's it's a silly aphorism that doesn't mean anything. It's like saying, you know, a car, a motor car cannot transport you anywhere. Well, it depends. If you put gas in the tank and you have a driver, it will transport you. If it's an empty motor car in the showroom, it can't. I mean, you know, you've got to be a bit intelligent about all of this. So um, money doesn't bring you happiness. That's true. Everybody knows. And there have been some lovely books written and a lot of studies done on people who've won the lottery and they look at them a year later two years later three years later five years later and uh, almost none of them are happier or better off after they won the lottery and i know what you're all thinking right now you're all so oh god just try me i'll show you you know i just let me win i'll be happy i'll be a-. no you probably won't because you're a human being and you're subject to the same temptations and the same weaknesses that most human beings are in slightly different ways, each in our own particular misery. But uh, the odds are you're probably going to screw up anyway, just like everybody else does. So um, getting a whole bunch of money doesn't make you happy. That's absolutely true. But coming back to King's point, earning money, making money, Now, that does bring happiness. It really, really does. And so that's why um, sometimes um, people who haven't got enough life experience or enough maturity will sometimes say, why is he still working so hard? He he couldn't spend his money if he lived to 100. He couldn't spend. You're missing the point. Making money makes you happy. It really does. The act of creating wealth is a happy-making process. Now, you might say, well, why would that be? And this is perhaps one of the three or four most important things that I'm going to be telling you um, during the course of the next three days. And that is that um, if you pull a money bill out of your pocket, you pull $100 out of your pocket and you wave it in the air, I may have a few questions. My first question is, did you hold up a convenience store and steal it from them? No? Okay, that's good. Did you hold up a little old lady and steal her pocketbook? No. You didn't do that either? Okay, that's fine. Did you defraud anybody and that's how you got the $100? No? Great. So you didn't, you didn't deceive anybody into giving it to you and you didn't take it from anybody by force. Am I correct? Yeah, you're correct. Well, in that case, I'm happy to tell you that I'm, I'm like a wizard looking to my eyes. I will tell you how you got that $100. That's right. You don't have to tell me anything else. And I know just how you got that $100. Now we're just clarifying, right? You didn't deceive anybody to get it, and you didn't take it from anybody with the force of a gun. Okay, fine. Just wanted to check that. That's the case. I know how you got it. You ready for the answer? You got that money by pleasing another human being. That's right. You pleased another one of God's children. It's as simple as that. I don't care if you're religious or not, but that's, you know, call it another one of God's children, call it another human being. It doesn't matter. You pleased another person. How do I know that? Because we ruled out the possibility that you took it from by force and we ruled out that you deceived them. Therefore, the only alternative is that somebody gave it to you voluntarily. What? Why would anybody give you $100? For exactly the same reason that I gave the shoe store $100 the other day for a pair of sneakers with lights in the heel that flash when you walk because I wanted that, and I handed over my $100 very happily. Now, we can prove the economics of this transaction. Let's do it this way. We'll do it by means of a thought experiment. You can come tap me on the shoulder and say, I see you're holding a shoebox. Yes, that's correct. I just bought a pair of shoes. What What did you get? I've got a beautiful pair of sneakers, red lights in the heels that flash when you walk. Okay, fine. How much did you pay for it? Uh, I paid $100. Okay, great. Um, Would you accept $100 from me now in exchange for that box? What do I say to that? Yes or no? Yes. Why would I do that? It's dumb. I've been looking for weeks for these sneakers with red lights that flash in the hill when you walk, and I've now found them in my size, and I've paid $100. Why would I sell them to you for $100? I'm not stupid. Okay, fine. Now this is just a thought experiment. Bear with us, Rabbi Lapin. and we're not trying to get you worked up here. Okay, would you sell them to us for $120? And I think it's off 20% profit. Um, you know what? It's not worth it to me. Uh, I'm still... So at the end of the day, I'm going to have to go look and find another shoe store. This was the last pair in my size. I, 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 no, I'm not going to do it. He says, how about $140? Well, Mrs. Lappin didn't raise any dumb kids. And so now a $40 profit, I'm beginning to think about it. And I think the way I would probably answer is, and I'm I'm no dumb Jew, the way I would answer this is I would probably say I would probably say to you, uh, tell you what, I'll sell it to you for 150. Because I'm thinking to myself, if he do 140, he'll probably do 145. I'll ask for 150, we'll settle on 145. And at that moment, we have just established the exact value of those shoes on Rabbi Daniel Lappin's balance sheet. We've now established why I did the transaction. I did the transaction because I was getting something which in my life has a value of $145. I proved that because I wouldn't sell it to you for any less. So I have something that is worth 145 for which I only gave 100, and so the net worth of this person has now changed by plus 45 by doing this transaction. My net worth, my if you if you think of you, and this is not using. Uh, SEC-approved accounting principles, but this is basic profit, loss, and financial statement principles. The value of this thing has been established by what I will be willing to sell it for. So therefore, my net worth is higher, so obviously I'm happier. So now you think to yourself, well, if this transaction made Rabbi Lapin happier, then no doubt uh, the um, the storekeeper must be miserable, because right? If some person wins, somebody else must lose. So let's go find the storekeeper. Hey, storekeeper, you just sold this nice pair of sneakers for $100. If you like, we could help you run after Rabbi Lap and take back the box, give him back his money, you can get your sneakers back. He says, what sort of economic moron are you? Don't you understand that that pair of shoes had an asset value on my books of $50, because that's what I paid the wholesaler for them. That's how I brought them into my inventory. And so I exchanged $50 for $100. I am very happy the way things are. Why would I want it back? It makes absolutely no sense. Why would I do that? And so when I say that you can look into my eyes, and I know that you have money in your pocket because you pleased another human being. I've just tried to demonstrate to you the truth of that statement. I don't know exactly who gave you your $100. Was it your boss? Because yesterday was payday. Was it a client? Maybe it was a customer in your little store. Or maybe it was a family relative. I don't know. But what I do know is that somebody gave you that $100 because whatever you did for them, they valued at more than $100. And so this then helps us establish that it is not possible to make money in a free market, voluntary environment without improving the lives of other people. It's a really important point. Who has done more for more people? Mother Teresa in the slums of Calcutta or Bill Gates in the luxury of... uh, his office in Seattle. I'm not saying who's a saintlier person. I'm not saying who God is rewarding with a comfortable throne in heaven. The question I asked was very specific. Who has done more for more people? And the answer is very simple, Bill Gates, because there's about a billion people, a billion and a half people using Microsoft products. Nobody forces me to use Microsoft. I could use Apple. I could use Linux. I could use other operating systems. I choose to use Microsoft because it allows me to be more creative. My 10 hours of work a day produce probably the equivalent of 30 hours of work a day that my grandfather could have done. And that's because of Bill Gates. So I say thank you, Mr. Gates, Mother Teresa. She, she took care, a saintly woman. She took care of the sick and the ill in Calcutta. How many people did she help? I don't know. What do you want to say? A million at a stretch? Five million? It doesn't match up against the number of people Bill Gates helped. And so making money does make us happier. And so the question is, as a business person, and I, I want to think of each and every one of you, as a business professional, wait you say i'm 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 not a business professional I'm an employee i I work for uh, as as a barista in a coffee shop owned by a multinational coffee company whose name I'm not going to mention hey King, do you have any sponsorship from a well-known international coffee company? are they helping to support this summit
1: no. Unfortunately, we not.
2: Well, then I'm not mentioning their name. No free advertising around here. It's not happening. Okay, so, so you say to me, I'm not a business professional. I'm an employee. And one of the things that I want you to really learn and to really absorb into your heart, not just into your head, but into your heart during the next three days, is that you are a business professional. Now, in this case, you are a beverage expert and you supply your labor and your time and your experience and your skills. At the moment, you only have one customer, namely that unnamed international uh, coffee company that I'm not mentioning, and they happen to be your customer. But there's nothing to stop you acquiring other customers, maybe on the weekends, you uh, take your own homemade coffee cart to people's parties or people's get togethers or but you find a way to uh, expand your business because you are a business professional remember nobody else out there cares nearly as much about your financial condition as you do and so don't shrug your shoulders say well I'm an employee I have a job Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you'll have one tomorrow, maybe you won't. Things change. But if you see yourself as a business professional, well, then asking for a raise is a totally different game. I'm not a subservient, beseeching, supplicant, knocking on the door and saying, please, sir, can I have a raise? I am a business professional and I am raising my prices. You see, the whole mindset changes when you start thinking of yourself as your own boss. I don't care if you are an employee, but the whole purpose of what we're trying to help you with over these next few days is to adapt your mindset to becoming your own boss, to think of yourself as you are an independent business professional. And that's really, really important to understand. You got to grasp that. And when you've got that, you then are in a position to start shaping what your vision is going to be and how you are going to move ahead. But the starting point is recognizing that the only way to make money is by serving other human beings. If you apply for a job in my company and I interview you, I'll give you an advance warning. Here's a heads up. I have a trick question. Here it comes. And if you answer this question, you get kicked to the curb. You're out of there. You'll never work for me. So don't answer this question when I ask it to you. Here's the trick question I ask anybody I interview. So tell me, what are your passions? What are the things you really care about? Where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself doing in five years' time? Now, if you answer that and you say, well, my passion is music, or my passion is art, or my passion is fishing, you're out of there. You know why? Because the truth is, I don't care about your passions or your interests. I really don't. I only care about mine. And the only people who work for me are people who can persuade me that my passions become their passions at least for 10 hours a day. That's all. And if you can't do that, you're out. The very worst advice, the worst advice anybody gives anybody is, oh, you must find work in an area you enjoy. Really? I enjoy boating. I don't know if I I tell you, King, uh, I boat in every summer in British Columbia. I know know the waters well. Uh, I love boating. I have yet to find anybody paying me to go boating. You should find work doing what you enjoy doing. That's rubbish. You must find work doing what most people around you need most urgently. That's what you should find work doing. And you know how to tell the answer. Like, How do I find out? What do people around me need? See what they pay most for. You want to be a massage therapist? Find out how much massage therapists get paid and then find out how much computer programmers get paid. That'll give you a pretty good idea of whether people need computer programmers more or less than they need massagers, pretty clear. And so uh, this all is uh, the beginnings of understanding what what, what you are as a person and your enterprise, your entire exciting process of being in business what is that going to accomplish for you? Who are you? What are you? And next time, tomorrow, we'll take a look at the next point, which is your vision. Where do you go from there? Thank you so much for the opportunity of opening the proceedings today.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Planet of Remember, you can achieve the life you've always wanted. Thank you so much for being a part of this
1: community. And until next time, stay hungry.